Good morning and welcome to New Hope Church. For those of you who have been away, welcome home. It's so good to see your, your faces. So good to be able to worship with you guys face to face, face to mask, but face to face. <laughs> Please stand with us as we are going to worship and welcome those of you online. Thanks for hanging in there with us. We're going to worship our Lord this morning.
there's no turning back. There's no turning back to you, Lord. And what's so amazing, Lord, is in you we can be fearless because we know that even now you are still doing your wonders. So come alive in us, Lord. Make your presence known. Mountains are still being moved. Strongholds are still being loosed. God, we believe it. Yes, we can see that. Wonders are still what you do. Bodies are still being raised. Giants are still being slain. God, we believe it. Yes, we can see that. Wonders are still what you do. We are
Spirit in this place, in our hearts. Come and move us. Make us different. Make us more like you, God. We want to be more like you. So let's listen to what you have to say. Let's listen to what you want for us.
heart's desire is that we would be in your presence. To not look backwards, but look to, to look forward to where you're calling us to go. Can't go back to the beginning. Can't control what tomorrow will bring. But I know here in the the place where you promised to be.
because all that we are really means nothing without you. Or maybe some of us, we've been chasing or after things that are not of you. But right now, you're in this place, meeting here with us. Our struggles, our problems, even our victories. You're saying, I want it all because you want all of us. And there was never a time, there's never a moment in our lives that you weren't there. But right now, Lord, we open the door. We let you in. We make room. It's more than a song, Lord. It's the cries of our heart. Saying, Lord, we surrender everything that we are to you because what you have in store for us is far greater because who you are is the greatest. So Lord, we receive you. Your presence is here already, but Lord, we don't ask you to fill this room. We, fi- we ask that you fill the rooms in our hearts and in our souls, in our minds, in our bodies. That Lord, maybe there's some of us here that maybe we need healing and Lord, you're gonna bring it right now because miracles are still what you do. Thank you, Lord, for being who you are. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We worship you. We praise you. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. And we all said, amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Lord, thank you. Boy, what a powerful time. You know, while we were worshiping, just uh, like a, a quick snapshot vision of God showing me that his spirit is touching every single person here online in our fellowship hall and just watching his his hand move throughout our campus and, and all of us and when we're singing you know the Lord is in this place we know that God is not about a building but he is about a place and he'll meet you any place you're at so for us to be here, and we know the risks, right? We know what's happening around us. Uh, it says something. It shows your, your heart towards God. And even for those of you who are online, you know, just because you're not here in person doesn't, doesn't define who you are. And I want us to recognize God's Spirit when God's Spirit is here. And when you're able to press into who He is, then whatever is happening around us uh, becomes secondary not that we're not concerned but our focus is on Jesus and he said to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness then everything else will be added unto you and today we have that opportunity and that's why we're here we get to learn from our Lord today so before you're seated throw up a shaka to someone or give someone a bump fist around you we're gonna have a fabulous time today you can be seated for those of you who are online we greet you also and you can do that in the chat some of you guys you guys are like chat buddies so tell someone hello online, and then we get to, we get to be here uh, learning from God today. We've been in a series called Let There Be Light, and for the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about where we are in this world, but at the same time, who we are in Him. And even though dark times may hit, uh, God has given us His marvelous light. For those of you who call 
this church your home church and you've been supporting you've been praying you've been giving even for those of you who are online we continue to do what we do because God said so and we continue to give to him because he already provides for us and for us to give to God is an act of worship so as we pray over our tithes and offerings I do want to say thank you so much for trusting in God and we're praying that God would provide jobs provide work uh, provide for our families and even for those of you who are online. So let's pray together as we do so. Lord God, we thank you for your grace, your mercy. Thank you for always providing as we give to you. It's, a, it's an act of worship, Lord God. It's us saying to you, thank you for being our God. And it's not, it's not a, a, a way to say, well, when I give to you, Lord, uh, this proves my love. But it is an, it is an outpouring of our love for you as well as being obedient. So thank you for giving us the opportunity to give back to you a little of what you have already given to us. We pray that you would bless the giving, the giver, and that it would multiply so that your kingdom can be advanced in this world. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all sit together. Amen. Some of you were asking about, you know, Hurricane Ida came and uh, ripped through the U.S. continental uh, and... uh, Right now, families are dealing with the results of it. In Foursquare, which is our denomination, we've provided you know, pallets of water, food, uh, clothing, uh, blankets, and things like that. And if you wanted to be a part of that, you can text 77 or text 4RELIEF to 77977. It's going to pop up on here. Uh, and that's if you wanted to participate in that. And then for those of you who are giving for you know, your tithes and offerings, we had the four ways to give up there. And if you're, if you're new, that might help you. We also have our tithe boxes in the back. And then for those of you who are online, you can click that tab and it'll, it'll get you there. But again, thank you so much for your, your trust in God. And as we're in this series, it's amazing that every single day that goes by, there's like a new thing that comes up that is not going well in the world. Jesus is the only hope we have. And today, we don't, we don't have a guest speaker because she is family. But I want to just give you a little snapshot of who and what Pastor Jessie Cruikshank does and, and what she brings to us today as she shares the Word of God. But Jessie Cruikshank actually started this weekend with our Ignite uh, discipleship making on Friday and Saturday. And she did a, a two-day training so that we can uh, move into the direction that we continuously move into, which is making disciples, which is what Jesus said for us to do. That's his command, go and make disciples of all nations. But Jesse Kruikshank is a disciple maker and facilitator of spiritual transformation. She is an ordained minister in Foursquare and a nationally recognized leader in the fields of experiential education and educational neuroscience. She holds a master's from Harvard in mind, brain and education and pastor jesse is so passionate about creating communities of people that naturally and organically become systems that help build us up holistically as human beings and is also passionate about organizational development which if you have a family there's organization that takes place in your family if you're married there's organization that takes place in your family if you're single there's organization that takes place in your life. So we're, we're, we're in a good setting today uh, because God is going to speak a powerful word through Pastor Jesse. So would you welcome with me, my friend, Pastor Jesse Cruikshank, as she comes and shares. 
Thank you, sir. Thank Thanks, Shell. <laughs> well, good morning. Good morning. I wanna I wanna thank Sheldon and Heidi for making part of uh, the Ohana here. Um, they have a special place in my heart, Pastor Bunny and Holy, and um, they're not just my friends. They're my my brothers and my sisters, and. Um, so that extends to you, whether you knew me or not, or know me or not. Um, we are Ohana, and I hope that you feel that at the end of today. But I do feel uh, like usually when I preach, there needs to be a little disclaimer, a little Surgeon General warning that comes up that says, um, warning, what you're about to hear may disrupt your world. So let's imagine that's up there, and then I can say you've been warned. Um, about uh, a month ago, you, you all started a series on letting there be light, right? So looking at, uh, in the first week, how to let God in. Why does Jesus find himself on the outside of us, and how can we let him come in? How can we let the light into our life? And then the second week, how do we keep that light and that lamp burning, and, and the power of the Holy Spirit, and letting the Holy Spirit inside of us be a source of our light. And then last week, leaning into uh, this idea that we have power over darkness, we have spiritual authority, and that God has given us all that we need. Well, today we're gonna take it one step further in our journey together in this series, and we're gonna look at what happens when we're in the dark and we are waiting on the light. Because I don't know if you have felt like this, but I felt like for the past year and a half, I have been waiting in the dark. I have been waiting for things to change. I have been waiting for something to be different, for life to come back. And it seems like it almost comes back and, and I'm like, oh, the sunrise is coming. Oh, it's just a car on the highway and I better pay attention. And I feel like I'm in the dark. So what do we do? What's our posture? How do we, how do we wait on God in this place? We're going to look at a couple sets of scriptures today, and I'm going to start with Isaiah 50, 4 through 11. And verse 11 is one of my life verses. Everybody seems to have, you know, one or two or three life verses, and and I'm, I'm like that as well. So Isaiah 50, 11, but we'll get there. So let me read this to you out of the New Living Translation. So starting in verse four. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue that knows the word that sustains the weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears and I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. I have offered my backs to those who are beating me, my cheeks to those who pull out my beard. I did not hide my face from the mocking and the spitting. Because the Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. For I have set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Who's my accuser? Let him confront me. It is the sovereign Lord who helps me, so who will condemn me? They will all wear out like a garment, and moths will eat them up. Because who among you fears the Lord and obeys his servant? 
And I read this and I'm like, yes, that's me on a good day. And I am winning. My face is like flint and I am living and walking in righteousness. The Lord has taught me what to say and he's opened my ears and I can hear him and I can speak his word and it's anointed and it restores the weary and who's, who's gonna bring accusation against me? I, I got this. I am winning. We get to verse 10 and it says, who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? And I'm like, me? I got this. I hear Jesus, I'm obedient. And then the Lord says, let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. But now all you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches and go walk in the light of your own fire of the torches you have set ablaze. Here's the reward you will have for me. You will lie down in torment. And I get there and I'm like, what? Wait a minute, I thought I was just winning. I thought I was succeeding and I read and I'm like, yes, that's me, yes, that's me, yes, that's me. Oh crap, yes, that's me. All you who light your own fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go, do it. Walk in the light of your own fires. You will lie down in torment. Let me pray for us and let me pray for me. Jesus. Papa, I step under the anointing that you have on my life, the mantle that you have over me to share your word, to bring clarity to untie knots, Lord God, to illuminate, to inspire courage and bring hope. Jesus, I give you lordship over our time together, over our conversation. Holy Spirit, I give you full freedom to rule and reign and be in this place. Lord, will you speak and will you change our eternities? In Jesus' name. See, in the light, when it's clear, it's easy to stand. It's easy to endure. It's easy to not turn away. And in the light, we can be people of great strength, of great renown. We can be a people who bring glory to God's name. But what about the dark? Who are we in the dark? Because in the dark, it's hard, especially the long, lingering dark. The third watch of the night when we're cold, when we're tired, when we're frustrated, when we're confused, and our confidence starts to wane, and we start to hear whispers, sounds. And our eyes start to play tricks on us, and we see shadows. We don't know what to do, and fear rises up, and we don't know what to think. We don't know what to believe anymore. And I call this the swirl. And in the dark, and when we're in this place, and we're in the swirl, and we ask God for wisdom, we ask God for insight, we say, will you turn on the lights so we can see? 
so we can understand. We can know what's going on. Can I see and understand what you want from me? What is the right thing to do? And we pray and we rend the heavens to get answers and we say, God, will you turn on a light? And he's quiet. And heaven doesn't answer. And we remain in the dark. This is what it's been like for the last 18 months for me. I don't know about you. And we find ourselves in this place and it becomes easy and it becomes justifiable. Really, it's wisdom to light our own lights, to, to light our own fire, to try to figure out what's going on so that we can see and we can understand better. And we call this good stewardship. We call this wisdom. We call this self-care. And we are so good at justifying lighting our own fires. I am so good at justifying lighting my own fires. But God is faithful, and so instead of those fires bringing comfort and wisdom and understanding, the swirl gets worse and it gets more painful and it feels like torment. And so we look for something to blame and we rebuke the devil because after all, the darkness must be his fault. Or we look for someone else to blame and you know maybe the darkness is their fault and a result of their sin. Because we are so uncomfortable in the dark and in the unknowing because we're being stretched. We're being pulled. And I believe that God allows the darkness to linger to the place of discomfort and that it is him who is stretching us. Because sitting in the dark and waiting on God takes faith. Our souls cry out and our souls grasp and we seek to light our own fires because we want to know. But God wants us to be as faithful in the dark as we are in the light. So how do we do that? What are the ways that we seek to light our own fires? How do we seek to solve these problems ourselves? I mean, if we're so good at justifying and spiritualizing it, how can we learn to recognize it better? Well, I want us to look at the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness to help us better understand the ways in which we are tempted to light our own fires. So if you will, turn with me to Matthew 4. Verse one through four, this is what the New Living Translation says. It says, when Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil, for 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. And during that time the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus said to him, no, the scriptures say you shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. See, in the dark, the long, the lingering dark, we face the temptation to provide for ourselves. Turn this bread into, or turn this stone into bread. You need it. You have the power to do it. 
Go ahead, use your gifts, use your talents, make the thing happen. I mean, you're hungry, right? But Jesus says man cannot live by bread alone. And what we do with our time and our talents, God cares about. See, we use our time and our talents and we fall into this trap because we wanna be able to provide what we need. We don't trust that we have a generous papa. And so we look at our situation and we say, wow, you know, I'm never gonna have enough. I mean, we can have fancy things. We can have the respect of other people. But at the end of the day, we will never be able to provide enough for ourselves that it'll satisfy our souls. And the enemy tells us, use your gifts, meet your own needs, if you're God's children. And we have bought into this lie without question, and we even spiritualize it, saying we're stewarding our gifts. And we know that we're off here because when God says, hey, I want you to give there, we're like, eh, I don't know if that's the best use of my time. I don't know if that's the best use of my money. I don't know if that's the best use of my talent. And we balk at the idea of God asking us to invest in something or someone that cannot give back to us. We think our time and our talent is more useful to us than it is to the kingdom. And so we won't give it away as God may lead because we need to steward it because we will not have enough for ourselves. So this is a warped view of stewardship, my friends. We need to be able to invest where God says specifically. We need to be able to give away, give of our life as God leads, not out of our own judgment of what's gonna give us the greatest return and the greatest value back, the ROI, but because God said, because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And the first temptation is to light our own fires by leaning into our own judgment of how to produce what we need. So there are two more. Yay, that's really exciting, Jess. I'm really excited. Matthew 4, 4 through 7. We're starting at verse 5. Then the devil took Jesus in the holy city of Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and says, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order your angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even strike your foot against a stone. So the, the devil takes Jesus up. It's about a thousand feet of space because of the that part of the temple was at the edge of a cliff and so it was like the temple wall and then a cliff face and he says jump God's got you and Jesus says the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God so in the dark when we're struggling when we can't understand the second temptation that comes is this temptation to prove we are who we say we are. 
We ask God to prove he loves us. We ask God to prove he, he likes us. But doing something crazy so that God can prove that he likes you or loves you by saving you from it is testing God. Asking him to prove you are his beloved or trying to prove you trust him to someone else. This is like running into traffic, not because God told you to, but because you need to prove to yourself or someone else that you have faith. Well, my friends, doing stupid stuff does not prove you have faith. It proves you need a friend to be like, don't do that. It's making up tests for God. It's lighting your own fire so that others think you know what you're doing. And there's this fear deep down in our soul that we are not enough. And so we are so afraid of rejection that we perform for love. So we have this deep longing for validation and there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem comes, the temptation is that we light our own fires to seek validation apart from the word of heaven that says, you are my beloved child in whom I well pleased. And heaven has already spoken that over you. That's not something that you're earning and you're working for to get at the end of your life. Jesus didn't hear that after the temptations. He heard that before them. He hadn't passed any test. He hadn't survived anything. He hadn't died on the cross. The very, very beginning, Jesus is standing in front of the Father as he comes out of the water in his baptism and God says, man, I'm so proud of you. God doesn't treat Jesus any differently than he treats you. He doesn't think more of Jesus than he thinks of you. He, heaven has already spoken over you the word, I am so proud of you. God doesn't need to prove it. He already has. Jesus has already died for us to reconcile us to the Father. There's nothing less there's nothing left for God to do to prove that he loves you and that he likes you. We just have to receive it. And yeah, that's the hard part. There's one more temptation. Verse eight. The next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world in all their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. I find this temptation to be the most fascinating, to be honest, because we already know how it ends, right? We already know how this world and everything, the, the end game is. And the end game is that all the kingdoms and all the rulers and all the kings and the queens and, and everyone bows before Jesus. Like that's been known forever. But between this moment and that end, for Jesus lay rejection, betrayal, 
and death. So between here and the fulfillment of his mission, there was great pain and great heartache and Satan offers Jesus a shortcut. He says, let's just skip to the end. Let's just get the thing you came here to accomplish without all of the negative stuff. I mean, the end justifies the means, right? I mean, after all, if we accomplish the thing God asked us to do, does it really matter how we do it? Does it really matter what way we do it? I mean, we can use power, shame, war, dictatorship, manipulation, fear-mongering, deceit, selfish ambition. Like as long as we accomplish the goal, right? And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. It matters the path we take to live out our calling. But we think it doesn't. And we say, wow, you know, but they're such a good preacher. Or they've planted so many churches. Or their life, right? They preach the gospel, their life has fruit. Does it matter how they do it? God says it does. See, we have received the lie that we are supposed to produce our call. We are supposed to produce the fruit and the impact of our life and our ministries. And we can do that by any means, convenient, natural, instinctual. But here's, here's the weird thing about this is that trees, like our life, trees can't produce their own fruit. Let me explain. Trees produce flowers, right? Plants produce flowers. But it's the other things, the wind and the insects that actually carry the pollen from one part of the flower to another and when it's pollinated, that's what produces fruit. A flower that's never pollinated can't produce a fruit that has seeds in it that can then go on and grow. It takes others to bear fruit. It takes a community to bear fruit. It takes little annoying bugs and pretty butterflies and bumbling bees a tree can't produce fruit on its own and neither can we. We are not to produce fruit on our own. It's a mystery that lies beyond our control and that is the point. The point is that fruit lies outside of us, in the community, in the big things and in the small things and we cannot produce our own call but we think we're supposed to and so we light our own fires of efficiency and effectiveness because we are afraid deep down in our core that we will never accomplish enough and so we look for strategies that make us feel better that make us feel strong that make us feel capable that make us feel like winners 
But we are called to serve God only and not control the outcome. We are called to follow God's strategy and trust God and let him manage the outcome. And we are called to embrace the thought that we may never actually see the fruit of our own faithfulness on this side of eternity. And so we're supposed to let go of judging or second-guessing our own impact. The temptation to produce your own call. At this point, in Luke's version of the scriptures, he says that the devil went away and left Jesus until the next opportunity. That means that Jesus faced these temptations again at the cross. And my friend Dave Rhodes says that what Jesus resisted in the wilderness temporarily, he defeated at the cross permanently. See, at the cross, Jesus was hungry and naked and bleeding and thirsty. He had the greatest need. But rather than provide for himself out of his power that he could have totally done, instead of that, he yielded. And he took the cup God handed him. And he did this so that we could stand with him on the other side of the cross as co-inheritors of the universe. Where there is no need that our papa cannot provide. We don't worry that we will never have enough because we have all things. On the cross, Jesus was rejected. And he even cried out in the words of David, Eloi, Eloi, Lamach Shabbatani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus was forsaken so that you and I never will be. See, we can stand on the other side of the cross because Jesus' blood has made a way, it's calmed the wrath, it's answered the questions, it covers the sin. We will never, ever, ever again be separated from God. And don't let the enemy ever tell you otherwise. No sin is stronger than the blood of Jesus. No sin is enough, confessed or unconfessed. No sin is enough to separate you from God. He has answered that question for eternity. The blood of Jesus is stronger than you or me or anything. We are never forsaken. And God never shames us in our sin. Don't let anybody else. On the cross, Jesus was weak and broken. He was abandoned by his disciples. And the people that he loved so deeply chose a murderer over him. At the cross, the king of heaven, through whom all things were made, stars, the earth, us, the king of the universe, the Lord of heaven's armies, submitted to death so that we could stand with him 
on the other side of it is finished. And we don't have to be worried that we'll never accomplish enough because Jesus has already done it. It's finished. There is nothing we can add to the cross and God doesn't expect us to. He's kind of actually confident in himself to have finished it. So we don't have to worry about producing our own call. We get to be children following our papa on a great adventure who's not worried about what we'll eat or what we'll drink or how many, where's the bathroom stops. Although I know children, I would, we would be worried about that. But we can rest and we can trust and we can see and do cool things because pop's got it. Here's the point. Jesus is enough in the daylight and he is more than enough in the dark. God keeps secrets and God withholds answers and I have asked so many questions that God has said nothing to. But even though God withholds wisdom and understanding and answers, God never withholds his heart. He never withholds himself because in the dark as we're eyes are closed and we can't see and we're reaching out and we're grasping, the point is not to know. The point is not to solve the mystery. The point is to reach out and grab onto him and hold onto him and never let him go. In the light, we become overconfident in our own understanding. In the lingering darkness, he wants to teach us faith and trust in him so that when he lights the next light, our posture doesn't change. Maturity in the kingdom is not living successfully apart from God's mercy, grace, and dependency. Maturity in the kingdom is being six years old. Self-consciousness. Trusting. Free. We are people who choose to follow God and sometimes we follow God into the wilderness and sometimes we follow him into the dark. And there we experience those, those common temptations to light our own fires of prove, produce, and provide. But faithfulness in the dark is the same as faithfulness in the light. And waiting on God in, to light up the next step, the next word, the sun will rise. Can we learn faithfulness in the dark so we can actually be more faithful in the light? Let me pray for us. Papa, we confess that we light our own fires, that we, we feel the swirl and we feel the tension and we feel the confusion and we think it's our fault. We think we're not asking the right questions or praying the right prayers, Papa. And so we, we yield to the lies of the enemy and we light our own fires, Papa. I repent that I light my own fires. Will you give us grace to trust you? Will you give us grace to hold on to you and not see that as weakness, but to see that as faith. Will you give us grace? Will you not let us be pulled into temptation 
to shame ourselves, to shame others, to receive the enemy's shame. But give us this day our daily bread. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the provision of the cross, the blood of Jesus. We receive what you would have to give us this day to the glory of the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we say thank you to Pastor Jesse for sharing today? We got Kleenex for her, but I might I need some of that. Uh, thank you so much for, for your, your love for God that you're willing to do what you're doing in your life. I wanted to give you two websites to check out just to get a, a snapshot of our possibilities, not just here at our church, but even for you, your family, your workplace, business, whatever, whatever you would see, maybe even ministries that you might have. Uh, these two websites, yourbrainbyjess.com and whoology.co and these these two websites if you go to the first one yourbrainbyjess.com and you love like neuroscience and those or you know someone that, uh, that likes those things this is such a great resource to have uh, the first time I went through a training with Jeff, <laughs> it was um, it was a train wreck for me I'm like calling time out during our session I'm like wait hold on hold on no that's not that's not that don't make sense and but it, when we went through the process then it was like ah, 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 and now it starts to make sense because i've been learning things in a in a different way than what god wanted me to and he just shifted me uh, whoology.co is another great resource to have and if you go through those websites you'll see what great resources are are available for us to become disciple makers as well as to build communities of people that can we can disciple uh, with each other. And I wanted to give that to you as, as um, Jesse is providing resources. So thank you, Pastor Jesse, once again for being with us today. Uh, it's so good to, to hear what God is doing, not just in your life, but through your life. So thank you. And for those of you who uh, are understanding our changes and the things that we're going through, thank you so much for your grace, your patience, your wisdom, uh, even your, your heart to volunteer and, and serve. Uh, our service times are 7, 8.30, and 10 o'clock. So our 10 o'clock service is going to start uh, in just a bit. And again, with all the changes that are taking place, we do everything possible so that people can find Jesus Christ and God has provided for us. And we're grateful that we can continue to preach the gospel, not just here locally, but around the world through our website. So thank you guys for being here. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day, and we'll see you guys soon. We'll see you also online. Have a great day.